You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Man, you can take a seat. Well, good morning, Southcrest. Man, I'm so excited to be with you this morning. I hope you had an incredible week of Thanksgiving. Hopefully that you were able to take some time to rest and uh, get time with family and friends and most importantly, eat a lot of food, right? The whole point of Thanksgiving. Not exactly, but man, we're glad you're here. If we haven't met, my name's Austin. I'm a high school pastor here at Southcrest uh, and just thankful for the opportunity to fill in for Brandon Hayes this morning. Uh, excited to dive into God's word. I, I wanna start with a story to give us some direction for where we're headed this morning in scripture. So my wife and I, uh, Ashley, have been married about two and a half years uh, and a couple months into marriage, uh, I woke up one morning and just didn't feel right. I had a sore throat, I had a cough, you know, just kind of the normal symptoms of a cold. And I, I was like, oh, this is, this is not okay. This is, this is not going to work. And it's like a Friday or Saturday. And so I, I get out of bed and immediately start to put on clothes and get dressed. And, and Ashley's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm going to go to the doctor. And she's like, why? I'm like, I, I don't feel good. And she's like, but yeah, like you haven't taken any medicine or like even tried to like just sit down and be like, are you like take a shower, you know, like see if you can feel all right. I was like, no, no, no. Like I, I clearly feel bad. I'm going to go to the doctor, right? And go get some medicine. And so we learned very quickly into our marriage that we handle sickness drastically different. My wife is like a superhero when sickness comes. She's, she's like, I'm going to fight this off. Like nothing can come my way. I don't need a doctor, right? Like I have the best immune system in the world. And then apparently I'm like a pansy when, when sickness comes. Because just the way I was raised, like, hey, you feel bad? You go to the doctor. That's what the doctor is there for, right? Go get some medicine and, and feel better. And I think all of us are probably in, in a group, like maybe unless you're Ashley and, and a superhero when it comes to sickness, like, none of us want to be sick, right? Can we all agree with that? Like, no one wants to feel bad. Apparently, like, especially, like, through all that we've been through over the past couple of years, like, no one wants to be sick. No one wants to feel uncomfortable. And if you're, if you're like me at all, you would do anything you could to not feel bad, right? Like, I, I want to get medicine immediately for I can go back to feeling comfortable. I, I want to feel like, I'm good, and I don't have anything to worry about. Even this, even this week, as we were traveling to see family, I woke up one morning, I was like, oh no, this is bad. I have a sore throat, I got strep, you know, whatever. And like immediately go into panic attack. And I share that because I think often I can respond the same way with my faith. Like I, I go to church, right? I'm here Sundays and Wednesdays. I read scripture, I'll occasionally talk to a friend about my faith, but those are more disciplines, right? Rhythms and habits of my faith. But when my faith really needs to be exercised, like I have a moment where maybe I could share my faith with someone I don't know, or maybe there's a moment of like a season of hardship, I immediately want to run from those moments. Like that, that's just the natural instinct inside of me. And maybe you're similar to this. And so I've kind of wrestled with this idea recently of am I really living a life of faith? Like, is my faith real? Is it genuine? Can other people see it? Or am I simply living a life of comfort with a little bit of faith sprinkled in? Like maybe there's faith just in a couple of moments. And so as we 
move to scripture this morning and seek God's word, I want to wrestle with this question of how can we as believers move from a life of comfort, maybe a comfortable faith, to a courageous faith? What would it look like for us to really live a life that will matter, that will be significant, and not just live comfortable lives, but live a courageous faith? And I think one of the best examples in scripture of a courageous faith is the story of Esther. And so if you have your Bible, we're gonna be in Esther chapter four. Esther four, verse four is where we're gonna start. And I was talking with some of uh, friends and people I work with this week about the book of Esther. We don't talk about it a lot, as it's an Old Testament book. And I really think Esther is one of the coolest books in the Bible. Like if you haven't read this book, I think it's one of the easiest books to read, to go through. It's, a, it's an easy story to follow. And some of the things that I'm about to share, you're like, there's no way that's in scripture. Like the book of Esther is wild. It never mentions the name of God, but you see God is working throughout it in every piece of the story. And so there, there's multiple chapters of Esther we're picking up in the middle of the book. And so let me give you a quick just flyover of what's happened so far. So the main story is about a woman named Esther. She was an orphan or a peasant girl. Her cousin Mordecai adopts her and, and begins to raise her. And if, uh, you see in chapter one and two of Esther is that the king of Persia gets rid of his wife due to kind of some multiple circumstances. He gets rid of her. And he puts on basically a bachelor contest to find the next queen. And so they gather all of these women in the provinces of Persia in the area nearby, all the most beautiful women to come in. He's going to select one to be his queen. And out of all of the women there, he selects Esther. And scripture says that she's like drop dead gorgeous. I mean, just absolutely Beautiful, and he selects her to be his queen, to be his wife. And in chapter three, the, really the villain of the story, Haman, shows up. And due to a couple things that happened to him, Haman comes up with this plan that he's going to kill all of the Jews. He, he wants to annihilate them and go against them. And catch this, at this time, that would have been 15 million Jews, scholars believe that his plan was to wipe out all of them. It would have been the Holocaust times two. And so he goes to the king and says, I think we need to do this. I think we need to wipe out all of the Jewish people. And the king agrees and says, sure, we, we can do that. And he sets this de decree that at a time and a place, all of the Jewish people were going to be killed. And so Mordecai is a Jew, Esther is a Jew as well. And Mordecai hears this decree and as you can imagine, as a Jew, is overcome with emotion. He's weeping, he's crying. It's very clear that he is just not okay. And that's kind of where the scene starts at the beginning of Esther chapter four. And we're gonna see what courageous faith looks like. So you're with me. Esther chapter four, verse four. When Esther's young women and her eunuchs came and told her, the queen was deeply distressed. She's hearing this news about Mordecai's out in the streets, mourning. He's not okay. 
And so she sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. And Esther called for Hathik, one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. Hathik went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gates. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. And so Haman goes to the king, right, convinces him and says, hey, we'll pay you this large sum of money if you'll kill the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susha for the destruction, for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king and beg his favor and plead with him on the behalf of her people. And Hathak went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. And Esther spoke to Hathak and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to go into the king's, go to the king these 30 days. And so we're gonna pause there for a moment. And so Mordecai hears of this news and somehow gets in contact with Esther and says, you have to do something. You have to go to the king and plead, beg him to stop this, right? You have to do this. And Esther says, but there's only one problem. I can't. Like she, she literally couldn't. She or anyone at this time had to have an appointment with the king. And so if she was to go in unannounced, like it said, there's a law that they would be killed, even if it's the queen, that this was going to be their future, that most likely if they walked in unannounced, that they would get their head cut off. Like this was just the law and what was to take place. And then also clearly there's some marital issues taking place, that Esther hasn't been with the king for over a month that she hasn't seen him and spent time with him. And so as we talk about how do you move from a comfortable faith to a courageous faith, there's the first thing we have to understand, if you're taking notes, is that a courageous faith is costly. To live out a courageous faith, to move from comfortable to courageous, a courageous faith is costly. And so for Esther... The cost was potentially her life. And she tells Mordecai, hey, if I go in, it's a suicide mission. Like, most likely, I'm going to die. I'm going to be killed. And so in the same way, if we want to move from comfortable to courageous faith, we have to understand that we're going to have to have to sacrifice something. That it's going to cost us something to truly live out our faith. And so whether that means your time, your energy, your comfort, your money, whatever that may be, to live out our faith 
really in the way that God calls us to. It's going to cost us something. There's going to be a sacrifice there. I want us to think about this, that in this moment, Esther had every excuse. She's the queen. She's in the palace. She has everything that she could ever imagine at her fingertips. Why would she want to speak up? Why would, she, why would she want to get in the way and potentially lose her life? She's in the most comfortable place you could imagine. She had every excuse possible. And in the same way, when we seek to live out our faith and to truly exercise it, the same thing happens for us, is that we have every excuse that you could imagine. Right? We, we, we do this. We, we make excuses of reasons why we shouldn't live out our faith and why we'd rather be comfortable. And so I think for so many of us, we maybe see the moment to be bold. We see the moment to be courageous and to live out our faith, but simply the cost is too much. We're unwilling to give in because we're worried about what it's going to cost us. And so we've used this example a lot recently, but I think it's really helpful is that when we think about sharing the gospel with someone, like if you walk into, maybe let's just say, for example, you walk into a coffee shop, there's someone sitting by themselves, and you think, oh, maybe this is an opportunity to share the gospel. But what happens, I don't know about for you, but for me, every excuse begins to come into my mind. I'm like, oh, maybe they've had a hard day. Like, maybe, maybe I shouldn't share Jesus with them, which is probably most importantly what they need, right, if they've had a hard day. Or like what happens to me is I think, oh, they're probably a theologian. Like they know, they're a scholar. They know everything about scripture. So when I begin to share my faith, they're gonna be like, oh, that's not right. Have you heard about this? And like I initially get like so worried, like they're gonna know way more about scripture than me, right? And so all these excuses come into my mind. I also just worry like maybe I'm just gonna be awkward and they're gonna think I'm weird. And so maybe I shouldn't share my faith then. I don't know if you're like me at all, but I think those are some of the things that that get in our way, right? That instead of really leaning in to have those conversations, every excuse we can think of gets in the way of really living out our faith. And so a pastor, his name's James Wyatt, says this. He says, if you wanna live a safe life, you'll never live a significant one. If you want to live a safe life, you'll never live a significant one. And so for us to really live a courageous faith, the first thing we have to know is that it's going to cost. And we must be willing to count that cost to truly live it out. Let's continue reading. Verse 12. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. And then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And so in this moment, Mordecai challenges Esther to live out her faith. I think that's an important thing to notice is that all of us, need someone like Mordecai in our life. All of us need an older, someone that's walking through faith, that's been there before, that can push us, 
that can challenge us to grow deeper, to truly live out our faith. We all need someone like Mordecai. Because most of the time when we don't have people that are pouring into our life, calling us to go deeper, we fall comfortable. We fall stagnant instead of really living out our faith. So we need someone like Mordecai to push us to grow deeper. And so Mordecai says, Esther, you don't understand. If you don't lean in right now, if you don't seek to access your faith in this moment and go to the king, God's going to use someone else. God's going to move. He's going to work. These are his people. So he's going to move. But why not you? Why not you in this moment speak up? Why not you in this moment live out your faith? And I think so often for us, how often does God use someone else? Because we're unwilling. How often do we see that moment where we aren't willing to count the cost and we miss the opportunity to live out our faith, to represent Jesus, how often does he use someone else other than us? And so Mordecai challenges Esther one last time. He's gonna push her to the limit with this iconic verse. If you've heard of the book of Esther, you've probably heard this verse before. And he says, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. The second thing we see through this text is that a courageous faith is being purposeful about where God has placed you. A courageous faith is being purposeful about where God has placed you. And so Mordecai reminds Esther in this moment, hey, you didn't just go from rags to riches randomly. It wasn't just by chance that you all of a sudden ended up in the palace to be the queen. He's reminding her that this was purposeful, that God was working out all of the details for her to be the queen and to be in this moment. Right now, he's encouraging her. There's a reason for this. God has been working in the midst of this. He's involved in all of the details. And in the same way, God's involved in all of the details of our life. So the neighborhood you live in, the job that you go to every day, the the coffee shop that you love, that Chick-fil-A on Milwaukee that you always like to go to, the classroom that you're in, the areas that you are every day are the places that God has placed you. They're not, you're not there just by accident or just randomly. God has you in those places for a specific reason and a purpose for one single thing, to make his name known for his kingdom's sake. And scripture says that we're to be the light of the world, right? That we're not supposed to just be comfortable and and hide our light. We're to display it where he has placed us, right? Brandon always says that we gather and then we scatter. But what's the point of scattering if we're not making his name known when we go to those places, And so here's what, as I've read through this book of Esther, I have been so convicted by. Is that the places that God has placed me and and my wife in, in, in our apartment complex, in the grocery stores that, that we live by, that we go to often, 
the places that we go just to enjoy like Forgoth and in the movie theater, whatever those would be, those places that he's placed me, I've become comfortable. I think that's just the reality that I'm not seeking to know the people around me. I've just become comfortable and complacent. And so I think what needs to happen for us is we need to shift our mindset. That when we go back to work tomorrow, it's not, oh, this is just my nine to five job. But when you go back to work tomorrow, our mindset, our mindset should shift to thinking, I'm here for a reason. Even if you don't love your job, even if it's not the best job in the world, you're going to work saying, this is for a purpose. God has me here for a reason. When you go back to school, God has me here for a reason and for a purpose. When you walk into Walmart, it's not just to buy groceries. Maybe God has you there for a reason. And so I think a great example of this is some of our high school students shared with me a couple weeks ago that for the course of a couple weeks and months, they've been getting to their schools early. Not to just hang out with people and to throw the football and maybe do a little bit of homework before class. They're getting there with one purpose, to look for people that are sitting by themselves, to look for people that look lonely, and to share the gospel with them, to attempt to share the gospel with them. And I think that's an incredible example for us of what we should be doing with where God has placed us. And so see, these 15, 16, 17-year-olds get it. They understand what, what God is trying to communicate to us, that they know they're a student, they know they're called to go to school right now, but they also understand even more importantly, they're a missionary. They're a missionary in their school. So can you imagine they're waking up 30 minutes to an hour early to share the gospel, to look for people that are alone. They get it. They understand. And so Satan wants us to have comfortable lives. He wants us to not know our neighbors. He wants us to just think our job is a job. He wants us to be comfortable and to be complacent and just to have a little bit of faith sprinkled in for a few moments. And most importantly, Satan doesn't want us to have an impact on this earth. And so I confess this, and maybe for you too, is that Satan's got a hold of us, that he has us just where he wants us. He has this idea that he's promoting to the whole world, just be comfortable have the Instagram life, have the perfect life, be comfortable. That's what you're seeking for. And that's so opposite of what we should live as believers, to live a life that will matter. And so let's remember that God's involved in the details. Right? Then when we go back to work tomorrow, when we go to those grocery stores, those restaurants, wherever he's placed you, let's remember that God has us here for a purpose and a reason, that it's not random, Think about how God could be involved in the details of tomorrow, of today, where you get a lunch after the service. Verse 15, we'll continue reading. Then Esther told, told, uh, told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susha and hold a fast on behalf, my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days night or day. 
I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. And so in this moment, Esther goes from fear to faith. That we see this powerful moment where she is going to live out courageous faith and be obedient to God despite the cost, even if it meant her life. She was going to be faithful. And so there's a beautiful model here for us is that they take time to fast and pray before she goes to meet with the king. And it's really kind of the Esther model here that when we have a big decision in life is that we would follow this example, that we would take time to fast and bring other people in to pray. That we would take time from a meal just to sit with God and say, God, I have a big decision. I have something going on. Would you be here with me? And as if you would continue to read in the book of Esther, the story would go on that Esther would walk in to the king. He would reach out the golden scepter that basically he's accepting the meeting. And through a conversation and some acts that would come later, Esther would help be a part of saving the Jews. That the king would would spare the lives of these 15 million people. And so Esther, in this moment, moves from just being this beauty queen that doesn't even get to see the king from going to be the hero of the story. Why? Because she lived out a courageous faith. She leaned in for the moment that she thought God was calling her to. And so what happened for Esther is her story would be remembered forever. Her impact, her faith would be remembered forever. We're talking about it in this moment right now because of the faith she lived out. And so the third and final thing we see about a courageous faith is that a courageous faith will lead to a life of significance. When we lean in, it will lead to a life of significance. And so Esther leans in in this moment and she's a part of saving all of the Jewish people. And God used her in a mighty way to make a difference. And I think all of us want to live a life that will matter, right? If we're we're honest, all of us want to live a significant life. We want a life that's going to be remembered because of the impact of how God worked through us. But in order for that to happen, we have to take a step from going from comfortable to being courageous, We have to make a change in the way that we're living. And so about eight months ago, seems way longer now, but about eight months ago, Ashley and I were in the interview process here with Southcrest to be the next high school pastor. We were interviewing, sending resumes in, talking with Brandon and people on staff. And there became a point for Ashley and I really early on that we thought this is what God had that we didn't know what Southcrest was gonna say, what Brandon and other people on staff were gonna say, but we thought this is what he had for us. And we continued to pray and began to get excited and we came for kind of a final visit here that would really kind of solidify either yes or no. And it was extremely exciting. And it seemed that Southcrest was moving in that way as well. And we went to leave and I got on the plane 
and I was overcome with an emotion that I had never felt before. As exciting as it was, as I thought God was leading us here, and there's a whole backstory of kind of the struggles that we had had just in kind of the past couple years of ministry. Like we were like, this is it. This is what God had. And this moment came for me as we talked about all of those excuses began to come in my mind. And so you have to understand one thing for me, I'm a huge outdoors person. And so as we're flying out of Lubbock, I'm like talking to Ashton, I'm like, but there's no grass. Like there's no trees. We're also gonna be 10 hours away from our family. Like where, where we currently were living in East Texas, it was comfortable. We were good. Like we had friends, we had a house. Like we were in some senses comfortable. But for us to lean into what God had for us, we had to take a step for me at the time that was going to be a little uncomfortable. Even though it was exciting, even though we thought God was in it and working, there was a moment that was going to be uncomfortable. And so I think the question for all of us as we reflect on this message is what step do you need to take this week that's a little uncomfortable? To really live out a courageous faith, what's the uncomfortable decision that you need to make? Maybe it's this week you seek to just have a gospel-centered conversation with a coworker. That maybe for the first time you ask, hey, do you have a faith? Hey, do you go to church somewhere? Maybe for the first time you walk across the street and say, hey, I'm your neighbor. I live next door. What's your name? And you get to know your neighbor. Maybe you seek to serve the person on the side of the road that had a blowout and you stop and miss the meeting or whatever that is that you had to go to to serve someone, to be a little uncomfortable. I, I can't answer that for you. Only God can. But what would be the decision that you could make this week that would be a little uncomfortable to live out your faith? And so I want you to imagine, what if all of us said, hey, this week, I'm gonna seek to do that. I'm gonna seek to go from comfortable to courageous with just one decision, one step. Can you imagine how different our lives would look? Can you imagine how different our week would look if we said, hey, God has me here for a purpose, and so I'm going to lean into that. Just imagine how different Lubbock would be if all of us leaned into this idea that I'm gonna go from comfortable to courageous because I wanna live a life that will matter. I don't wanna just go to church and say I have a faith, but I wanna go out and live it out. I want people to know that Jesus is real by the way I live, not by what I just say I do. And what I say I'm a part of, I want people to know because my faith matters to me. And James says, you're only here for a vapor. You're only here for a time, a moment, a mist. So let's live a life that will count, a life that will be significant. And so as we move into a time of response this morning, a challenge, I think, for all of us, what would that look like for you? All of us are placed in different areas. All of us have a different life, jobs, responsibilities, families. What would it look like for you to go from comfortable to courageous? Would you spend a moment seeking God as we move into this time of response? And we're gonna have people down here in the moment after I pray that would love to talk with you, that would love to pray for you. And maybe 
most importantly this morning, maybe the step that you need to take is to accept Jesus. Right, that you've never made that initial decision to make him your Lord and Savior because of all the excuses, because of all the reasons why not. Maybe this morning, that's the step that you need to take. Let me pray and we'll respond to the Lord and however he may move. And so Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking through this ancient text and for the examples that we have of courageous faith to model. And God, I so desperately want to live a life that will matter, and I pray that my friends in the room will as well. And so God, this week, convict our hearts in a way that would make us move from comfort to courageous faith. God, stir that up in our hearts right now. And so, Lord, as we take a moment to reflect on your word, would you move in our hearts? We ask you to speak to us, God. In Jesus' name. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 